You're listening to AGRR Magazine's special podcast, Industry Update, The Coronavirus. This podcast is designed to bring you the latest industry news surrounding the disruptions caused by this worldwide pandemic. And now I'll turn it over to Tara Tafra, Editorial Director of AGRR Magazine, who will introduce our special guest. Today's guest is Paul Morris, the president of Jack Morris Autoglass in Memphis. He is also a lawyer, so the combination of his legal and autoglass knowledge is going to be particularly valuable in this episode. Morris will help us dissect a few of the options available to small businesses like his. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Tara. Glad to be here. Great. Well, I'm so glad you will be able to help us weed through some of this legal speak. Um, That combined with your autoglass knowledge will be particularly helpful to our listeners. But before we get to that, um, I do want to ask you, what's the status of the operations at Jack Morris Autoglass? Well, like everyone that's running a small business right now and everyone in America, it's different. We've um, we've, uh, been through a lot of um, turmoil and figuring out how to run our operations differently to make sure that we ensure all of our employees' safety and the community's safety and our customers' safety. So we spent a lot of time tweaking how we do business to, to make sure that uh, we maximize the safety of everyone. And at the same time, our business has dropped off quite a bit. Uh, it's about 30% down day over day from last year. However, the beginning of the year was so strong that uh, for, for the first quarter, I'd say we had a pretty good first quarter but the last half of March was uh, was pretty slow business. Yeah, that's interesting, though. I mean, from all the people I've talked to across all the industries we covered, not just auto class, I'm hearing over and over that everyone was on their way to a great, they're having a great quarter, you know, up from last year. Um, I don't know if that's a little bit of a positive to all this, but um, I don't know if maybe it will help with cash flow a little bit. But um I, so, but let's talk about the, all the resources that our listeners can take advantage of. And you told me that you have been looking into um, a lot of them. So first, let's talk about the Families First Coronavirus Response Act. Um, small business employers, those with under 500 employees, are to give employees emergency paid leave and certain FMLA leave. Um, you told me that this allows you to take a 100% credit on your payroll taxes so you are made whole if it works. So you might want to clarify that last part or qualify the last part if it works. But can you just um, tell me what you've found about that act so far? Sure, yeah. And as you, you know, correctly said, uh, whether we get credit or not, we are required under the law, if you employ fewer than 500 people, that you're required to provide paid sick leave, and also, in certain circumstances, paid, expanded family and medical leave. And uh, the qualifying reasons are listed on the posters that you should have gotten by now, and and we're supposed to post uh, those posters in in places where we post other other regulations and also just provide them to all our employees. But the paid sick leave portion provides 100% of your regular pay if you've been subject to a quarantine order from a government or you've been advised by a healthcare provider to self-quarantine related to COVID-19, or if you're experiencing COVID-19 symptoms and you're seeking a medical diagnosis, you qualify for that sick leave. And then a big category is if you are caring for your child whose school or place of care is closed due to COVID-19 related reasons, and you're the primary caregiver and there's no other suitable person to take care of the child, then you can qualify for the up to 10 days, uh, uh, up to, um, uh, 
up to the 80 hours, rather, up to mm-hmm. 80 hours, two weeks of paid sick leave. And then on top of that, after that is gone, then you can also qualify for the up to 12, you know, up to 10 more weeks of paid leave for that last category only. So if you have COVID, you get eight, 80 hours of paid sick leave. If you have a child whose school is closed and you're the primary caregiver, you get 12 weeks of, of uh, paid leave. But that paid leave for the child care is only at two-thirds of your pay versus the 100% of your pay. Uh, so that's kind of the basic legal requirements that we have to follow. And then the question is, do we get that 100% credit on our Social Security taxes that we pay? And the law is very clear that we do that for any of this sick leave, any of this paid sick leave under this under this act, that the government will credit us on our Social Security taxes that 100% amount of money that we paid for that sick leave. So we don't even have to pay it up front. We just take a credit and uh, deduct that from the amount that we would normally pay for Social Security taxes. If we already paid our Social Security taxes or if our Social Security taxes are not enough to, uh, to apply for how much sick leave we've given, then we get a reimbursement. That's how the law is written. And I have somewhat confidence that that's going to work, but I've been reading IRS regulations that have just been sent out about how you get that on the back end. And you have to have documentation and you have to um, do some other things. And I'm worried about the hoops you might have to to jump through to get reimbursed on the back end, but we'll see how that works. Yeah. And that's one of the things, every single thing you and I talk about today, I was going to ask you, um, how long do you think it will take? I know this is like the big question out there um, for you and other companies like yours to start to see the benefits of this and see some money from this. Well, on this one, theoretically, we should be able to deduct from our Social Security taxes. So we should we should immediately see the benefit. One of the practical things we've done to try to address that is we've created a, a different payroll day for anybody that's taking leave under this new act. So we've created a whole new payroll for those category of people. And okay. by doing that, we're segregating the pay that we're, that we're advancing, essentially, under this act. And that way we can easily keep track and one day prove to the IRS, if necessary, this is the amount of money that we paid for the leave under this act. We are also, we've also created two new HR forms uh, there weren't any models that I could find easily, so we created two new um, model forms to use for the sick leave request that requests all the documentation that the IRS is saying it's going to need on the back end to to justify the, the credit that we're going to take. Um, so I think with those two steps, by segregating the payroll so that we can easily account for the leave pay, the emergency leave pay, and also having collected or at least made good faith efforts to collect the certifications from the employee and the documentation that the IRS is going to require on the back end to get the 100% credit. And remind me how many employees you have. We have 95 employees. 95. And how are you able to give me a percentage or some kind of idea of how many of your employees have um, taken this leave so far? So far, we've had about five employees express um, interest in it, and, and most of them are taking the leave. Um, and so it's about that number. I expect that to increase. Okay. And is this something that you offer to all your employees that if they? Yes. In fact, okay. we, you know, as soon as we saw the act pass before the poster had come out, I sent an email just kind of summarizing the rights under the act. Um, and what they could uh, be used for. And that immediately generated some interest. 
I will say that there's no reason for an employer to discourage use of this because if you're like me, your, your business is down enough that you don't really need all your employees right now. And if you can keep them paid and, and yet have the government give you a 100% credit for that pay, then that's a pretty good deal. So to that extent, we're not trying to discourage use of this. Obviously, right. we're, we're requiring the certifications that the employee must make, including you know, for the child care, which is the most popular one, um, obviously, because that gives you a total of 12 weeks, two-thirds pay to take care of your kid whose school is out. But the IRS has come back and the poster says it one way, but the IRS has said that the person must, the employee must certify that they're unable to work or telework because no other suitable person is available to care for the child. So if, for instance, you've got a spouse and they're at home caring for the child and you just want to stay home and help care for the child or you think that's needed, the IRS is not saying that's good enough. They're saying there's got to be no other suitable person available and no other suitable person caring for that child. So you got to right. be the, the one caring for the child. And you have to provide appropriate documentation from the school or daycare of the closure period, which seems kind of silly because all the schools are closed. Exactly. It's public knowledge. But right. the IRS is saying to collect appropriate documentation. So we're doing so. Wow. And just out of curiosity, is it a lot of, um, well, you said about five employees so far, but are they um, parents who are doing this because of the daycare Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I would think I would think so. Yes, that's the okay. case. Okay. And then for the you know the leave for the sick leave, which is if you're experiencing COVID systems and you're seeking medical diagnosis or you've been advised by a healthcare provider to self quarantine, that's a benefit that I expect will be used uh, more frequently in the coming weeks and months. And this act is applicable until the end of the calendar year. It's, it started application on April 1st, and it's not retroactive, so it doesn't apply to anybody that took leave before April 1st for any of these reasons. And it doesn't apply, at least you know for now, until it, unless it's extended or changed, it doesn't apply after December 31st of this year, and none of these hours roll over or anything like that. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you so much for all that info. Um, and you also looked into the CARES Act, which gives small businesses access to paycheck protection and forgivable loans. To discourage to discourage layoffs and pay cuts is that the one you told me you already filled out that application? Yes, I uh, filled out an application earlier last week using the sample application that had been published by the Small Business Administration, and uh, then on Friday morning they issued a final sample or a final application, and I filled that one out uh, and did it over again and sent it to our local bank and have been harassing our local bank uh, for weeks now about this to make sure they were ready to, to process these and uh, to get ready for Friday, which was the first day that a bank could theoretically apply to the SBA. And, uh, and my bank is, is on top of it, I hope, but I have still not gotten a loan confirmation number from the SBA, which is what shows that you've gotten an allocation of that $349 billion, which I expect will run out, and it is a first come, first serve. So the government has decided to create this rush, mad rush to the SBA to collect this this money, and they've told you that it's probably going to run out, and uh, it's first come, first serve. The banks have not been given enough guidance to make them comfortable in many cases, and so some banks are are applying on Friday, some were not, um, some are saying they'll look into it this week. And, uh, you know, who knows how long it'll be before that money runs out. I expect it'll be a little while because a lot of the applicants, the, the people that would be eligible for this, 
aren't able to get their bank to even apply. And then if the bank is willing to apply to the SBA, then the SBA's portal has been down and not, not able to accept those in, in large measure. But that, you know, it's only been open one day, Friday. Well, and Saturday and Sunday, the portal is open too, theoretically. So I expect that'll get smoothed out and that'll get better. But that first day was pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. And you were obviously right in the beginning of that um, applying as soon as you could. So definitely keep us updated on that. And that's another thing we've been talking about that um, to our readers too. It is going to run out quickly. Um, you know, we're encouraging our readers to def- or, and our listeners to take advantage of that. Um, so, but you don't know when your bank's going to get back to you. You don't know. So will it be, you know, maybe not just your company, but other companies like you, you know, will it be soon enough for a lot of companies out there? That's a great question. And it, and it is, uh, it can't come soon enough. Honestly, we, you know, at this point, given when the state of our business by staying open and operating, we're losing money every day. And yet we've not laid off a single person nor cut a single person's pay or even hours. So we're relying on this loan coming through to justify having made that decision and, uh, and then be able to continue with that commitment to our employees um, for the foreseeable future, at least, at least the eight weeks that this act would cover. Um, right. I, I don't know, but I, I expect to receive that loan confirmation number early this week based on what my bank's telling me. If that happens, I expect it'll be another period of time before the loan closes and it's funded. And then once it's funded, you have another race because you have exactly eight weeks from funding to spend the money in in the appropriate way to make the loan forgivable. And uh, any money spent after that eight weeks is not forgivable. And any money spent during that eight weeks that's not for an eligible purpose is not forgivable. And so to help with that, you know, we're we're creating um, another accounting system and perhaps another bank account from which we would use to segregate those funds we receive from this loan to be able to, to use it for the appropriate reasons and be able to show on the back end because they have not issued any regulations yet about how you'll get the forgiveness on the back end. They wow. uh, said generally what the law is, but, but we're going to have to probably go through some hoops to prove that we spent it for the appropriate reasons. So how helpful, just out of curiosity, how helpful is all of your legal background as you go through this process? Well, it's it's been helpful and not in a sense. I'll say the reason. <laughs> Unfortunately, I spent a lot of time reading the bills before they were passed uh-huh. and, uh, and, and going through them and then understanding them. Then they would get changed. And obviously that makes sense. The legislative process is messy. Right. And so I probably wasted a lot of time understanding bills and and portions of bills that never did pass. Um, but it did prepare me to get ready that once the final act was passed and 880 pages of the CARES Act was in place and the, the other uh, act was in place, I was able to understand that I think pretty rapidly. And I mean, I, I was the one that explained it to our bank. Um, you know, our bank had wow. not, nobody had, I mean, you know, it's not their fault. I mean, it just got, it was 880 pages, the CARES Act was, and um, a lot of banks had not really understood what it was going to be. So. I've been trying to keep our bank up to speed um, um, with with how it works and, and keep them. And they are on top of it. They're an SBA preferred lender. They're a great bank. But I think it's been helpful. But uh, at the same time, it's not that complicated of an act. Right. Well, that's good. Um, is there anything else, any programs out there that I didn't ask you about that you have researched that you would want to tell our listeners about? The other, the other programs I have not found applicable to us, so I haven't, um, haven't looked into them. SBA has many other loan f- 
programs that are more standard. The emergency loan programs are available. Those are not forgivable, but they are um, very helpful if you're facing a cash crunch, which right. most of us are. Um, but they're not forgivable. So I've been banking on this Paycheck Protection Program, which um, which is a forgivable loan program. Okay. Is there anything you researched within all this that you think perhaps um, our listeners should like stay away from or proceed with caution? I would say that uh, the main thing is, as I've mentioned, proceed with caution on all of it because you got to keep keep appropriate documentation, keep the uh, funds segregated, both the money you're paying under the Emergency Leave Act and the money you spend if you get the money under the Paycheck Protection Program. We don't know in the end what the IRS is going to require in terms of justification for these tax credits on the one hand and for the forgiveness of the loan on the on the SBA side. So we're just kind of being very careful to, to keep things segregated, keep a track of them. Uh, one, one awkward thing is that the CDC is strongly suggesting that employers not require doctor's notes for people who are sick. And we are certainly not requiring doctor's notes for people who are sick. However, the IRS is saying that to get the credit on the back end for this emergency sick leave, you're gonna need documentation. So, you know, we're not requiring it because the CD, I'm going to take the CDC's advice over the IRS's at this point in time. However, we are using good faith efforts on the you know, back end to try to get a some sort of healthcare documentation of the reason for the sick leave so that we can take advantage of the credit. So that's one you know, piece of conflicting advice we're getting from the different levels of the government. Wow, exactly. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing all the research that you have done. I'm sure our listeners found it incredibly helpful. Um, so good luck through all this and keep us posted um, on your progress so we can share that with them as well, since you definitely have a lot of knowledge here. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Glass Bites continues to cover COVID-19 on our website, so be sure to check back there. And we will see you back here on Wednesday for our next episode.